0: Welcome to the European Greens podcast, where we talk about the way forward to a greener and fairer Europe, together with green leaders and activists. The European Greens are a European political party
1: that brings together national parties sharing the same green values, like democracy, feminism, support of LGBTQ+, and climate action. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, and together, let's green our future. Hello everyone, I'm Mélanie Vogel. I'm French, I'm currently talking from Brussels. I'm a committee member of the European Green Party and I'm your host for today. So in today's episode we'll be talking about healthcare and more specifically about access to medicine and how this is related to intellectual property rights, know-how distribution across sectors in the world and investment. To help us understand how equitable access to healthcare should be guaranteed, we'll be talking today to Gail Crécorion. So Gail is a friend of mine. We've known each other for some years now, but that's absolutely not the reason why we chose to invite her. We chose to invite her because she's probably one of the best experts we have on access to medicines, medicines, production sectors and intellectual, intellectual property rights. She is, and Gail, you're going to correct me if I forget some stuff, but so she is a sociologist. She wrote her PhD thesis on access to medicines at the Ecole des Hautes Etudes en Sciences Sociales in Paris. She is a researcher and an activist who has worked on public health issues, access to medicines, access to knowledge and IPR for many years. She's a former advisor on access to knowledge and intellectual property issues for the Green Group in the European Parliament. She is the former head of Policy of Doctors Without Borders, uh, Médecins Sans Frontières, um, Access to Medicines campaign, and she's currently an international consultant. Um, Gail, is that correct? Did I forget something? Perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> Okay, cool. So, um, there is a very active network of activists who work for decades on access to medicines and who campaign for solutions to ensure fairer access to healthcare, who criticize the current system that is more based on big companies maximizing private interest than on public authorities having a consistent public policy approach to ensure universal access to health. But of course, with the COVID-19 pandemic, the topic of healthcare in general and the situation of public hospitals, but also very quickly the topic of vaccines, research, funding, production, distribution and access uh, has become the big topic. Um, and obviously a problem that probably had been uh, there for a while became an urgent and global problem that everyone is concentrating on at the moment. So the idea of the podcast today is to discuss with Gerd in light of the pandemic, what are the current blockades to access to medicines in general and to vaccines in particular, and what we can do to to change that. Um, The first question I would like to ask you, Gerd, is more a personal one before we get into the core of the topic, and it's, why actually uh, did you become interested in access to medicine? What what made you uh, become a specialist of, of this area?
0: Uh, so I, I started to uh, look into IP and access to medicine at the end of the 90s. Uh, I was an activist with ACT UP at the time, uh, so AIDS, an AIDS organization in France, uh, but also working with groups uh, in the Global South. And uh, in 1996, uh, new treatments uh, arrived, the antiretroviral, antiretroviral therapies. And at the time, the big issue was, okay, now we have medicine that can prevent people from, from, from dying, basically. But uh, they're expensive, uh, $10,000 uh, for a person for a year at the time. Uh, only people in the north can afford that and so the vast majority of the people live in the global south but they will never be able to access the product uh, so that's when uh, we started to I started to you know wonder you know, why is that so you know because we think that everybody should have access uh, from the point of view of the epidemic if you want to stop it it was crazy at the time you need uh, people to you know, you need to act in every country, not, you know, let uh, countries or continents just, you know, with a raging epidemic and not do anything. So from those point of view, it was obvious that we need access, uh, but realistically, economically, you know, how could we do it? And so that's when, you know, I started to really wonder about all those questions.
1: Mm okay so can you explain very simply for uh, random people who don't have any clue what we are talking about what is a patent how does it work and um, what is a uh, public good or common good it's a concept that has been discussed a lot uh, recently especially when it comes to vaccines um, can you just explain what are, are those two things Okay,
0: so a patent, uh, a
1: patent is basically a piece of
0: paper, or now it's more like a, a file. It's uh, at the origin of the patent system. The idea was that somebody who invents some, something um, is going to be help uh, getting an exclusivity from the state so that uh, he or she is the only person who can... Uh, sell, you know, uh, and make money out of this invention uh, Mm -hmm. because, you know, this person has invested uh, a lot of time, energy, money, whatever, you know, in bringing this invention in exchange of the exclusivity, which, you know, is a very special place, you know, on the market. Yeah, privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah, privilege because it's a monopoly. In in exchange of that, uh, you're supposed to, Disclose the invention, explain, you know, what is the invention, how to make it, how to use it. Uh, And that's the patents, that's the document on which you're describing. um, So that, you know, at the end of the period of the monopoly, which uh, now is 20 years, uh, anybody can use it. So at the origin, this is what the patent was. Now a patent is a still a document uh, giving information about something that is not necessarily an invention in the sense that it's like, you know, something that never existed. So now we have lots of patents on little change about things, a uh, little switch uh, in technologies, little, you know, chemical modification on, 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 on medicine, for instance. But still, you still have the documents that uh, explain. We, and now the trick is that they explain without telling too much because they don't want people to know. But they need to make it, you know, serious enough and complicated enough so that the patent office uh, in a country is going to look at it and say, "Oh yes, there is something in there. I give monopoly, uh, you know, exclusivity, and I grant the patents." So an important aspect is that. To get a patent, you need to go to a country and ask to have, you know, uh, the patents on the territory. Uh, So it's really, you know, a a right that you get on the territory. In Europe, we have a European patent office. uh, So you have a European uh, uh, patent that is going to apply on the territory of all the the countries that are members. Uh, But usually it's more single countries.
1: Okay, and um, uh, I guess there are patents on vaccines, right? Yes. On what are the conditions condition for companies to get patents on vaccines? It, on
0: vaccines, on medicines, on cars, on perfume, on whatever. Uh, any technology, the, the idea is it, it's, some, it's an invention in the technological field uh, that can be uh, produced industrially. Uh, so, you know, uh, you, have, you, have, you have patents in any technological fields. So on a vaccine, yes, of course, you have patents. Usually now what happens is that on a vaccine or a medicine, you don't have just one patent, you have more patents. Because uh, that's also the game, if I can say so, for, for companies is to get our, our, you know, as many patents as possible. Because each time, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an exlu- exclusive rights. So sometimes you, know, you ask for patents, and you, you're not going to get it because the patent office says, well, what you say is something we know already. So, you know, mm, okay. so they try to get as many as possible.
1: Okay. And then uh, public good or common good uh, is on the opposite uh, public good non-patentable or is it unrelated to IPR? Well, it's uh,
0: basically, the two things are not the same thing, a common good and a public good are not the same. The public goods are, it's coming from a economic theory. A public good is supposed to be something um, that is, uh, as economists say, non-rival, non-exclusive. So it means something um, that when somebody uses it, uh, you're not depriving somebody from using it as well. Uh, and also, you cannot uh, prevent somebody from using it so it's a, in the economical theory it's something very you know specific. People have been using this uh, word to talk about the vaccine against covid because that's the the ideal i think that people have in in mind that you know you cannot prevent somebody from uh, using it, and if one is using it, then another one still can use it
1: um mm-hmm.
0: But the reality of the economy of vaccine, as we know very well, has nothing to do uh, with that because, you know, on vaccine, there are patents uh, and intellectual property rights. So you can prevent somebody else from using it. That's exactly what we see now. Uh, You can prevent countries from producing it. Uh, And now the notion of common goods It's something different. Uh, It's coming from another type of theory. And it's the idea that you have a resource that is very necessary, useful, precious. Um, It's produced uh, collectively by a community. Uh, And there is a governance mechanism that is going to involve all the people that are, you know, in, in, involved in the production and use of, of, this, uh, of this good to make sure that you always have it and, you know, it's always accessible. Uh, you know, it's a sustainable system uh, and it's not going to be uh, appropriated by some and, you know, not be there for the others. Uh, so it really rests on the governance mechanism. So this is something Something that some people have been trying to promote in the context of the current discussion about vaccine to say uh, we need to change the governance over medicine so that it's more collective, it's more transparent, and we can ensure that what is uh, perceived as a common good is going to be you know accessible and available mm-hmm. for everybody.
1: And and coming to this. Um to um, the access uh, to uh, COVID-19 vaccines, and I think more generally the access to medicines. Uh, can you explain basically uh, with simple words what is like? What is the situation and what is the problem today? Um, what is affecting accessibility of medicines? What is affecting the price level? And what is affecting the availability of products? What is the thing that make uh, medicine available to everyone or restricted to some people? What are the mechanisms uh, at stake here? Um, so what's what's
0: uh, interesting is that it's as if we were having uh, two conversation in one. Because on one end you have the very specific context of uh, the COVID vaccine, where uh, there is a consensus that the COVID vaccine is a tool that is very useful to try to you know fight the epidemic. So so that then you know it should be available everywhere. Then there is the reality that you know. Countries have granted patents to a few companies, so they have the control over the vaccine uh, they don't produce enough, potentially they are not interested to produce enough but that's an, another question so there is not enough you know for everybody well, very, very far from that and so what happened is that uh, you know those who have the more uh, power money uh, capacities uh, you know, try to get the vaccine and those who have less, uh, don't have any vaccine. So that's why now when you look at the, the least developed countries, there is 1% of their population who got a first dose, you know, of vaccine. So the, the disparity is, is, is huge. The gap is huge between the, the different type of com- com- countries. So that's the COVID discussion. Uh, but. In parallel to that, there is a broader discussion that is just about the pharmaceutical field, you know, whether it's vaccine, uh, medicine or diagnostic. And in fact, what we see with the COVID crisis is, is just reflecting, you know, the, the, the larger system. Uh, and the larger system is getting into trouble more and more every year. And, and so we've been facing problems increasingly in, in many, many countries, uh, poor countries but then you know rich countries as well in terms of access access to innovation but also access to old product shortages of very essential old product for instance so we come now to potentially i mean we have the opportunity to realize that you know there are huge problems uh, with this pharmaceutical system and the the the, the key uh, initial point to start the discussion is to understand that the pharmaceutical economy is like a black box. Uh, So it's a black
1: box with layers of opacity uh, at every level. Yeah, and you said um, that uh, pharmaceutical industries somehow maybe don't have an interest in producing a lot and making a lot of vaccines available, for instance, in, the, in in this crisis, but also I guess this can apply more generally to any other medicine where maybe the market makes it more profitable to produce less, uh, and that is in contradiction with the public interest that would be to produce more. Do public authority have a way to force um, pharmaceutical companies to produce uh, a certain amount of vaccines? Like who is driving the this market so to say yes
0: uh, states have a lot of power Uh, they have many tools that they could use they also as i said and and the more people dig into this the more they realize they are injecting really massive amounts of money in in many different ways uh, you know, to finance uh, the the medical research, whether it's you know uh, basic research by a public institutes, but but then it's also you know giving uh, monopolies. It's also giving uh, uh, tax cuts. There are tons of tax credits that mm-hmm. are granted to the pharmaceutical companies. It's one of the industry that is benefiting from that the most. Of course, you know, there is also tax evasion, and you could say it's not the country doing the, doing that, but yes, it is. and It's them not preventing it. It's so a subsidized, you know, field. Mm-hmm. So you could say you know, that that, by definition, gives the states a lot of power. The problem is that uh, they are in a very an healthy relationship with the pharmaceutical industry and the pharmaceutical industry on, it, on its own has evolved a lot in the past uh, 30, 40 years. Um, it used to be, you know, much smaller companies, uh, uh, led by pharmacists and doctors. And, and now, you know, it's gigantic multinationals, uh, led by business people who are here for a few years and then they may move to you know the car industry or whatever so the logic of the industry has changed has moved into uh you know making as much money as possible and it's one of the fields where the 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 profit level is you know is one of the highest so it's a bit paradoxical you know because on one end it's health products that we say you know People have a right to access. On the other hand, it's one of the uh, uh, commercial fields where you make the most money. You know, Uh, you have the biggest uh, profits. And in between, so the state like that, the industry like that, there is this belief uh, and kind of contract that you know that business is what we need uh, to provide. Uh, Access to people to what they need, you know. So that's the basic, you Mm, know, mm. logic of the market. You know, if it's on the market, it's the people will get it. We're all fine. And I'm afraid to say it's still, you know, it's still the dominant uh, philosophy when you talk to uh, people who lead the European um, institutions. You know, so the problem is policymakers. They are in this unhealthy relationship with the industry where they accepted the idea that helping the industry will help, you know, access. So the industry has has lobbied and pushed and worked a lot to change a lot of the rules. And they're also making a a lot of pressure on policymakers so that they don't use the tool they have, you know, to... You know, uh, impose prices, impose transparency, uh, lift the the patent, not grant the patent when they should not, and uh, you know, use the full you know s- scale of of tools that they have. On the other hand, we are never there. Is a narrative that is pushed by the industry. You know, it's it's an old one. Uh, the the price of today are uh, the you know the investment in R and D uh, for tomorrow
1: of tomorrow. Yes, mm-hmm. yes
0: that's you know. They build their image on that and that's what is at the core uh, of you know, the belief that the patent system is the magic tool to get innovation. So you give Monopoly, they will reinvest in research and you, know, you will have products, they will put them on the market and we're just all fine. The problem is the reality is, is something totally different, what's, what's really happening in fact.
1: It, it sounds, I mean, I think for anyone who is not an expert of the field, it sounds anyway absurd that, um, a health sector would be driven by the same logic as any other market, uh, sector. Because obviously, uh, I think everyone kind of gets that, um, is, if the goal is to, is to reach public health and that people are healthy um, you have a, a different logic of production and uh, profits that if you're selling shoes because you actually don't really need want people to buy a lot of uh, medicines you want people to get healthier so you want them to need less medicines do you think there is a way out of the system where basically a public policy goal it's managed by private companies because to me and I think to a lot of people, it just sounds obvious that it cannot work because private companies are not going to pursue the goal of making people healthier. They are going to pursue the goal like any companies of making profits. Um, and it's not always incompatible, but it can really be. Uh, and like, how can you see, Like, what are the solutions to break this logic and ensure that the people whether they are public actors or private actors but the people who are playing in this uh, sector of producing medicines and giving access to them mm. actually pursue public interest goals mm. well i mean i i
0: think the first step would be to get uh, a <laughs> consensus on the fact that what's going on is as you say you know it if, if the logic is, you know, access to health is a right, people should have access, uh, then you cannot just, you know, let company control the product and control everything. Uh, but, the, but the problem so far is that we live with those two incompatible reality, and it's not really bothering us. Why? Because, you know, we live, we, you and me live in rich countries where until now there was no problem. We were able to pay. And, and in my case in France, you know, we didn't even know what, you know, it was costing. You know, you get uh, cancer treatments, you have no clue that it costs like one, 100,000 euro a year. Since, uh, nine, since 2014, around that period with the hepatitis, hepatitis C uh, treatments, the social securities in the rich countries uh, started to say, look, uh, wait, wait, we are going into the wall. We are not going to be able to pay for everybody who needs those products in our countries. So we are going to be in the same kind of situation that poor countries are facing. So we are facing those situations now in rich countries. We cannot mm. uh, hope that we will get uh, medicine and uh, just continue to spend the money like we do with absolutely no control, no transparency, Uh, and just adding uh, uh, advantages, uh, you know, one on top of the other for those companies because they always ask for more and the policymakers always ask them more because, you know, they believe if we don't do it, uh, we won't get the, the stuff we need. So to get out of this, in fact, you need, one, realize what's going on, that, you know, uh, there is a lot of public money, very, very much, uh, and and we need to be clear about what's the ratio between the public resources injected and the, what the private companies are putting. You know, we need to uh, uh, we need to understand what kind of advantages we're giving to the companies, what kind of control, and whether it's legitimate or not, because all this is supposed to be for innovation. But it's like we're paying 10 times for the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, no doubt, you know, at the end of that chain, they can get, you know, 25% of profit, of course. But So it's an extremely costly system. So we need to realize that. And then we need to discuss, can we do it differently? And again, to be able to have that conversation, you need to look at the way it works so that you see that, okay, uh President Macron is going to you know, uh, sign a deal with uh, the head of uh, Sanofi, uh, but in reality, who is working, who is doing the job? And when you look at who is doing the development, who is doing the production, who is uh, running the clinical trials, you see that it's a lot of uh, SMEs, small and medium enterprise, that are contracted by the large multinationals. Mm-hmm. So, If you want to summarize, you know, that this time you have a few very big companies who slowly uh, got rid of of a lot of uh, the the, the activities that they were having before, you know, like the research, you know, uh, but also the, you know, the trials, but also the production. They Mm -hmm. uh, slowly, uh, you say, uh, transferred that to other companies that they are contracting through contracts. Mm -hmm. but they have the control, you know. They have the control mm-hmm. on this uh, ecosystem. They have the control on the, on the, on the whole system. And they, they extract a lot for them. Uh, that's why it costs so much. But it also means that for governments, you know, you could contract directly with the guys who are doing the job, you know. And it's a little bit what we've seen now with the COVID. In order to increase the production, you've seen Breton, you know, the commissioner, Bringing, you know, all the SMEs on the, 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 different type of co- small companies that are doing all those stuff to try to see, okay, who can do what, you know, because, uh, very obviously, uh, if you count only on, uh, Pfizer, uh, and the, the, the four others, uh, it's not going to be enough. Except that he did it in a very untransparent way. <laughs> he just broke. In the room is the only one to know who is actually doing what. So the other thing we need is just full transparency over, you know, what we are paying the public. You know, public resource invested. Who is getting what? uh, How much does it cost to actually research, develop, produce? What are the prices? Uh, And you've seen, you know, with COVID, we are not even able to know how much we pay, how much the other pay. All that is like again the black box.
1: And what you say makes me think of, a maybe it's a little bit a stupid question, but um, you seem to say that basically uh, the public sector is already spending a lot of money being on public research, uh, being like when in social security system that pay for the medicines, etc. Um, so we are already investing a lot of money. Uh, the system that we have created where uh, some few big companies have a monopoly on what is now a market and it's not efficiently giving access to, to medicines, that this is not like a fair system. Can you explain why actually at the end of the day, um, the states, the national authorities accept to in a way, Externalize such a fundamental competence of of public authorities that is to grant access to health services to their citizens. Yeah. Why did they accept to uh, play this game? I mean, it should be the states going crazy and wanting to uh, change the whole system overnight. Mm. Well, well, I mean, the, there are several elements of that to answer that, but one
0: of them and one of probably the Most important is that they believe that there is no alternative. If you want to relocate production, start to work with your SMEs. Look at who is producing. Try to reinforce those that exist. Try to make sure that those small companies that are now going out of of, uh, business stay in business, but also impose transparency on the way the money is being used. Uh, And how we got there, you know, it's also because over the decades of collaboration between uh, the industry and the government where syndicate unions you know, of uh, pharmaceutical companies were advising governments about how to write IP law, how to write mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. registration law. Uh, you see that in the public institution, they lost expertise. So they believe the only guy who can make the job are those big guys they don't know the reality of what's happening and they don't have a lot of expertise in many technical aspects. So they're just, you know, in the end of the companies. And of course, on top of that, you could add some layers of corruption <laughs> and, 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 you know, other stuff, but you don't even need that to explain, you know, that mm-hmm. they're stuck the way they are, except that what's happening now is also creating a lot of political pressure so right now with covid we're trying to pretend it's a problem for the poor you know those poor guys in the poor countries and you know what we need is more solidarity we don't need just i mean of course we need more solidarity but what we need is we need to open up that system and and and, and really reorganize it you know because it's not just for the poorest people that is not working it's not working for even middle class people in the US you know uh, or in the UK or, you know, soon it's going to be also in France. And that's building up political pressure where I think that for those who govern, it's not going to be possible to continue on one hand to, you know, like we did, like we just pushed like billions towards those companies. And at the same time, uh, keep your people happy. It's not going to be possible because the problems like hepatitis C with many cancer medicine, with orphan medicine, we, we, you will see more and more, uh, as they call it, uh, market failures. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the market is supposed to be the solution, but you, when you look at the ph- pharmaceutical field, you see market failures multiplying in, in so many different ways. You know, it is Ebola, but it is the, you know, the cancer product. It is the uh, antibiotics. It is everything, you know. And each time market failures mean more public money. But more public money and still the same rule and still, still the same opacity. So I believe this can, will not be able to continue. And right now, there is at least three questions that should be put, you know, on the table. When you simply look at the COVID stuff, one is, and it's very simple, you know, one is why, as you give all the money for the research or like very, the lot, like most of it, why do you also give the monopoly over the, the technology? You know, why do you give full control? At least, you know, you could say, okay, I'm going to have as much control as I have paid. The other question is, how can you think that you're facing a pandemic that is striking, you know, simultaneously everywhere on the globe with people dying and count on a handful of, of companies to produce what you need, like the 15 billion, you know, vaccines? You know, if it was uh, uh, toilet paper, we would say that's, that's just crazy, you know. That's just crazy. It mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. The math doesn't work. We need mm-hmm. uh, 45 companies to do it. So, one, we mm-hmm. should not have given the control. Two, we should, you know, have done everything to have massive production on every continent. Three, and that's like kind of a democratic issue. How can you accept that you put all the money uh, and you sign contracts that are secret? You cannot share with your citizen. The money is coming from your country, from your citizen. You give the money, but you cannot show the contract to the public. And that, I think, is fully unacceptable and crazy that we are now Mm -hmm. accepting to be in that situation. And what they say is it's a trade secret. No, it's not a trade secret. It's public money being put into something. We should know what it is used for. We should know which company got how much and for what, you know, and what it costs at the end of the day. And and
1: all of that should be transparent. Mm-hmm. And um, especially on, on this, or so the three questions you're asking, um, I have like follow-up questions. So you say um, the first problem is basically the um, structure of the intellectual property right, that basically uh, you have a lot of public money injected, but this is not reflected in the patents rights, which is indeed, when you think about it, I think everyone can see that it's absurd. So the question would be, what do we need to change to make this happen? Like, do we need to change um, patent law? Uh, is it just that it's badly implemented? Like, what is the change? The, what you said on uh, toilet paper, and uh, basically it seems obvious that if you need to produce so much, you cannot rely on three, four companies. Uh, the question would be, that there is this uh, idea that, Mm. vaccines it's very very complex only few people know how to do it it's a very complicated process we cannot have anyone producing vaccines because we need them to be safe uh, we need to control all the process if you start having anyone producing vaccines is it safe um and uh yeah the third one on opacity uh also, do we need to change the laws, or uh, are, like are the companies abusing laws when they are covering some information um, as trade secrets what they should not, or uh, is it that the trade secret directive is just wrongly uh, worded and actually they can do it? Are they violating the law when they do that, uh, or or not? So on the on the patent law and the IP law, uh,
0: on one I mean. Yeah, I think we should change them because the, the massive problem is that we and policymakers got into thinking that as, you know, they say sometimes, you know, patents equals innovation. Uh, that's really not true. Uh, on many accounts, like too many patents is just preventing innovation because you cannot even share the knowledge. And what we see here with COVID, and I think that's the lesson to, to keep, it's that the innovation happen because of the public supports during decades you know uh because without those three four decades of 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 basic research we would not have today uh m nra vaccine and because of the you know billions uh last year Mm -hmm. so if this is happening why then do you need to give monopoly for 20 years you know The purpose of the patent is that it's supposed to help have innovation when no other tool, mm -hmm. you know, so we, I am not against maybe using patent in some case, but when it's useful, not not when it's a way to just, you know, extract more and more and more resources along, you know, uh, decades.
1: But the current sorry to interrupt you, but the current patents on the current vaccines are there legitimate patents or like in, in view of the current patent law, are they legitimate, or do you think that already with the rules today, we yes. could argue that not hundred percent of it should be patented yes. by private companies?
0: Well, there are uh, many things that you can look at uh, to answer your question. I mean, I have not looked at uh, all the patents of all the vaccine. One of the problem is that you cannot even know, you know, uh, because yeah. you know you never have like a COVID vaccine from Pfizer. This is the list of the fifteen patents, you know. Uh, it's kind of secret as well. You need to. The name of the patent is not linked to the naming of the product, so it's a jungle to figure out, you know, <laughs> which patent you have. Most certainly, many of them should just not have been granted, and. Uh, you have ways you know to apply the rules in a way that you know if it's not a real invention you don't give a patent and there are more and more cases uh, uh at uh, patent offices where people are saying you know why are you doing that but since they believe that more patent equals more innovation the European Patent Office is always very proud to show that you know they have so many patents every year granted so it means a lot of innovation that's as easy and, and stupid as that um So, yeah, we have means today to try to prevent the massive flow of patents. But at the same time, we also see that the system is really too in balance. Uh, so there is probably other, uh, I mean, changes to bring not just to the practices, but also to the law. Uh, and to facilitate, like Brazil has been uh, discussing and working on, uh if you grant patents, then you should be able, in a situation like now, to, you know, in one day we'll leave those patents and make sure that anybody can use uh, the, the, the product. The other aspect is that in many countries, like in the US, you know, there is what we call marching rights, which is a way for when the government found a, a something, you know, they should keep the control on it and make sure they can use it and authorize anybody to use it if it is necessary. They are not using those rights that they have. <laughs> so our problem is also that we're not using those, those rights. So, but maybe that means that we should make it easier for society, you know, to enter into that discussion. Because what you see is that you have a very unhealthy relationship between the state and the large companies and nobody can, you know, object or, or do anything. Uh, so. That's uh, one thing. On your question about production, yes, I mean, that's always the same. The guys with the patents are going to tell you that those other people, you know, are totally unable. And of course, you know, you hear a lot of very paternalistic uh, views about the South. You know, there is more researchers and scientists in in, in India and China than in Europe, you know, and and brighter Mm -hmm. brains because just there is just much more people and very well-trained people. I mean, many, pro- I've talked with producers who said, we are ready to go, you know, we are ready to help. Some of them can do the full thing. Some of them can do, you know, at the end of the chain when you feel the f- f- vibes, which is actually what is missing in many countries now. So, you know, in Tunisia, they could do it. In Morocco, they could do it. There are many places where they could do it. Plus the uh, RNA... Um, Technology is, the more we learn about it, the more we see it's actually very easy to transfer, very easy Mm -hmm. to use, very fast. So, you know, we could do a lot, yes, in transferring. Of course, they don't want to transfer. Uh, And so that's another question. There is the pattern that, you know, makes it uh, illegal for other people to use the product and produce the product and sell the product. So that's the legal problem then there is the technical problem the pattern says as as less as possible chemicals and biologists can you know from the finished product they can inverse uh, uh, engineer you know that technology and find out how to do it it's just going to take some time so maybe you know you've we've seen uh, uh, Pfizer being able to develop some production sites uh, in maybe, you know, four months. If there is absolutely no help uh, from those who have the recipe at the beginning, maybe it's going to take, take eight or 12 months to do it on your own. But we've lost more than a year now not doing anything, mm. you know, so... So
1: <laughs> So basically, when, because um, you remember that when there were the first calls to waive the patents uh, on vaccines... A lot of um, lawmakers were saying, well, that's not really the problem, because even if we were waiving the patents, uh, the problem is the production capacity. But what you say is that it's not true. No, you say uh, they don't have medicine, uh,
0: you know, 50 kilometers from Bamako, and they tell you, well, but there is no road. So anyway, it's always the same crop. So no... uh, the the prerequisite for anything is not to be blocked by the patents anyway. So step one, get rid of the patents. Step two, uh, ensure production. So that means force company to share the technology. And there are some tools or like help people uh, locally to figure out as quickly as possible. And there could be, you know, a lot of collaboration between uh, scientists in the north and scientists in the south to make this happen. Because it's not, you know, it's also it's not that complicated, uh, and you know, supports like the production capacity, so that you know it can be organized
1: as quickly as possible. You said first we need to get rid of the patents. Um, we talked a lot about patent waiver and about compulsory licensing. Um, it, are these the tools we have in our hand to uh, address a situation where you granted some patents already uh, and you waive them like is it something that we can do is uh, compulsory licensing uh, the tool or are there other tools can you uh, maybe explain because I think this has been in a public debate a lot and not mm-hmm. everyone I guess know what compulsory licenses are so the compulsory license is a right
0: for states um, to lift uh, the, the patents, the monopoly situation, you know, whenever they think, think that they have to do it. So they are the one granting, you know, the exclusive rights. They also have the right to lift the exclusive rights at some point. If, you know, they think, like in the French law, uh, it's written, you know, with medicine specifically, uh, if there is uh, not enough quantity, if there are, there are quality problems, if there are problems with the price. So, you know, so you have a lot of uh, mm-hmm. options. As according to your law, you know, in some cases, it's a ministerial decree. So a piece of paper, just up. Quickly to do as long as you know the political pressure doesn 't prevent it, in some other case, you have to go through a court uh, and you have mm-hmm. two months to inform the patent owner, blah blah blah, you have to organize a hearing. you know there are many different types of procedures, and the, co- the companies of course lobbied for again decades to make sure that uh, the, the laws are you know as complex and, and difficult to implement as possible, so in some case, they are issuing a compulsory license may be quite a headache. But so that's the tool. So that's also why, you know, it would be much, much easier and faster to have this waiver at the level of the WTO, because that Mm -hmm. would be politically a big signal that, okay, there are other legal ways. Uh, You know, uh, I remember 20 years ago, we were talking about, you know, some article in the, TRIPS agreements, so the WTO agreements on intellectual property that was signed in 1995, which, you know, settled at that time, you know, the 20 years of monopolies, because before that, very often it was less, you know, in many countries. So that became the big standard with, you know, so a lot of rules, including, you know, compulsory license and so on. Uh, there is an article called Article 30 that says that, you know, states can do exceptions uh, to patents uh, and other intellectual property rights, uh, you know, if that seems necessary. So that's very broad and, and vague and give a lot of freedom to states. Until now, that's something that they never use, they never discuss, they don't want to because the company said no. So, you know, we have some, you know, we could, uh, from a legal point of view, explore aspects of the laws, international agreements that uh, would give us much, much more facilities. Uh, And we haven't done it because the company didn't want. Now, to go to your last question on the transparency aspect, I think, again, we've seen how we were, like, Trapping ourselves, you know, along the years, Uh, we, and when I say we, you know, many countries uh, passed new regulation on trade secrets, you know, in the past uh, 10 years. That are increasing the rights, uh, the rights of the companies to keep stuff secret, and of course, it's super useful to pharmaceutical companies. It's super useful, you know, to prevent from disclosing, you know, uh, environmental damages. Uh, you know, so in so many fields, you know, it's a, it's like magic magic power that we give them. Mm-hmm. We did that, and we knew, I mean, many of us knew at the time it was wrong. There is some uh, um, some, uh, how would you say, some exceptions in those rules, you know, to protect public interest that allow states, you know, to say, uh, stop, enough with the trade secret. Uh, this has to be disclosed. It's a, it's a matter of, you know, it's a matter of democracy. Um, so th- there is those tools uh, but I think that maybe at that point one uh, important uh, road for us would be to make make it so that policymakers are accountable for the decision that they make. Uh, to me you know today it is not acceptable that a few people mandated by the Commission and a few states uh, made a contract with companies, uh, involving the spending of billions in, 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 in full opacity, uh, accepting that you know the state would bear the consequences in case there is a side effect and so on. We need to make those individuals accountable for the decision they make and the stuff they sign with the companies. Mm. So I'm not sure what should be the mechanism. How do we make those people responsible because they are using the public money uh and they and they are making it so that you know they 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 they, they there is no way for us to you know take part to the conversation you know which would be the only condition to make things common goods but but also you know face the you know, face the consequences, you know, when, you know, you agree to something that make it that you don't have enough vaccine, it is too expensive, we're spending billions on this and, you know, that's billions that will not go to the hospitals. There is the fact that it's not normal that companies benefit from this secrecy, but there is also the fact that it's not normal that public servants uh, can, you know, can just perform like that uh, without being accountable. Uh, and transparent about what they agreed on in our name
1: <laughs> yeah um if uh because I think uh we are coming uh, progressively uh to the end of this conversation um i I wanted to try to summarize a little bit the what you are portraying as. The direction we should uh, go to. So basically, you said, um, and I mean, correct me if it's wrongly wrongly summarized. Uh, three problems, three blockages to um, universal access to medicines, including to vaccines. Um, the patent system, so the the fact that you have a monopoly of uh, s- few companies, the fact that the production is monopolized, and even if it's done by A lot of SMEs and small companies, it is like the, it is monopolized in the hand of few uh, big companies. Um, And this transparency issue, uh, where we see that a lot of things, uh, especially on cost, but also uh, external, potential damages on the environment, or I don't know what. We don't know because, uh, by definition, something that is secret is not known, so we cannot know what we would discover if it was not secret. Um, but that that this is basically the pillars of the problem. So um, do you advocate for a system where uh, the patent system would be uh, changed, and, for example, vaccines like those ones wouldn't be patented because, uh, They are mostly relying on previous research that was funding by the public uh, and do not deserve uh, monopolies and a system where you have uh, decentralized production and transparency. Like, is it, if we want to summarize what you think should be the ideal system, is it a little bit this? The problem we have with the big
0: companies is that they pretend that, you know, there is a simple way to, you know, make everything good and, and happen. And it's by you know giving them a lot of uh, monopolies and exclusive rights. So the reality, I mean, making things work is complex and I think we don't, we cannot oversimplify uh Because part of the solution is to be able to address the complexity. But many things can be done, uh, you know, from from today. So one key issue that imposes a reform of the IP system and the way we use patent uh, is to be clear that this is only one tool that cannot always be used. Because what should be discussed is the control, who is in control. You cannot give full control to a company. Well, one, maybe because it is health product. Two, because it was partly or massively uh, funded by the public. So we need to reform you know, the, the way those products are governed. So that's, that's a key issue. Two, uh, the transparency. It's a, it should be a democratic principle uh, in the name of just democracy, but also health and public health. We cannot continue to function with that level of opacity. It's it's worse than so many other, you know, industrial fields. Three, producing medicine Mm. requires industry, you know. There is an industrial production. I mean, you can produce industrially with uh, public producers, of course, uh, but, you know, most certainly you will also need some private company involved. That's not a problem, but... uh, in the case of medicine to have an industrial production what we need to understand is that the industrial policy uh, need to be uh, articulated in line with the... articulated and, and, and driven by the health needs and the health policy And we have to question the industrial policy and we have to discuss it all together. And we have to discuss the way it is governed and who can make decisions and why and how and, you know, and make this transparent.
1: I have a a last question, very last question. And it's not so much about the legal changes that uh, lawmakers should do and uh, what political actors should do. But if you had, um, an advice to citizens who want to get engaged in this fight, uh, because it's something that is more and more salient and uh, that that is interesting for more and more people. Uh, what would you say uh, people can do to get involved in, in this fight for a more equitable access to medicine?
0: Uh, raise the questions, you know, voice, and I mean, be voices, you know, ask why, you know, why is that like the three questions I was asking before, you know, Those three questions should be, the more we will see them, you know, on Facebook, on Twitter, on everything, you know, we need to feel that people are wondering what the, you know, is going on. (laughs) Why is the money used like that? You know, it's not. And also because, you know, people living in in Europe now, they are just anxious about getting vaccinated. Uh, It's not just that, you know, uh, you cannot not care about the fact that a dose costs 20 euros because it's crazy. A dose should cost like, I don't know, like 0.2 uh, euros, you know, because when you multiply by million, you know, it's billions and those billions, they don't go in other stuff. So we should feel responsible about that. So we should raise the question uh, and we should make policymakers responsible. So they need to come and explain and they have to share the information
1: so thank you very much for this conversation and for the homework i think everyone everybody got it that everyone should post on facebook and twitter and everywhere the question why is this the price of vaccines how is it possible that it's only uh, uh, produced there and there Uh, how come that we don't get access to the information of the contract everybody from now on has to post this question on facebook and everywhere else thank you very much gael i hope we see you very soon.